This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. All right. It is Friday. And as always, we do our Friday financial news wrap up. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing well, man. Thanks again for doing this with me every week. It is greatly appreciated. I love it. it you know, I love too that just the fact that you have your, you, you literally have your finger on the pulse. So let's get right into it. Uh, the Fed. Let's talk about Fed tapering. What's that all about? Yeah, so uh, one thing as real estate investors, we need to be watching is rates. Rates have an outsized impact on our cost, right? It's li likely the largest cost each of us have each month is those mortgage payments. And the Fed uh, had their uh, monthly meeting and it was Tuesday, Wednesday. And then, oh, by the way, the Wednesday statement and he takes questions, that's Jerome Powell. So basically what they're telling us is they're telling us, they're telling us they're going to taper. Uh, the talk track is they likely will start tapering in December. And their expectation is the taper will be completed in June, which is a little faster than most people thought. Again, all of this is suspect to the economy staying as is. Jerome Powell was very clear on that. So again, the taper will start this year, likely in December, likely be completed in June. Then the next question is interest rates, right? When is the Fed going to take us from zero to something higher than zero? Uh, generally speaking, Powell is still saying it's years away. Uh, but the Fed has this thing called a dot plot. No idea why they call it that. But basically, the 18 Fed presidents uh, put on there when they think interest rates uh, hikes will occur. And for the first time, nine of the 18 have an interest rate hike, at least one next year, which if you've been following my daily financial news is what I've been telling you for six or nine months. It's coming. Uh, inflation is more real. It's more sticky. It's not transitory. All of these things. I think rates go up next year. At least they try to raise rates next year. And then, oh, by the way, I have a, a weekly talk with a mortgage broker, Matt, the mortgage guy, and he sent me text Wednesday night, Thursday night saying, dude, rates got hit. So if you don't know what's happening is, is the mortgage market is always moving. Mortgages, uh, the CDOs or whatever they're called are being sold went up, or I'm sorry, went down, which means rates went up. So rates are already being impacted by what the Fed did on Wednesday. So uh, if you hadn't locked, like if you were locking in today versus Wednesday, rates are up. They're probably up an eighth. Um, and again, this stuff happens, right? And stuff is market moving and you've always got to pay attention to the Fed if you are in the real estate business. Absolutely. I think we got to pay attention to Michael Zuber because you're <laughs> studying it. And it's just nice that we can get it in a little bite-sized, easy to digest for real estate investors, real estate professionals, agents, brokers. I love it. Thank you. Sure. So, um, so I want to just ask, let's go into housing. Let's talk about housing. Let's talk about inventory. There's some news there. Tell us about that. Yeah. So again, a lot of stuff came out this week in housing. Uh, we had existing home sales come out. They were down a little bit, which is to be expected. Because again, we've been talking about again for weeks now that, wow, the, the buyers took July and August off. And again, existing home sales are closes. These are not like new home sales, which are signed contracts, very different metrics. So basically there was less closings, but that's because people didn't go into escrow last month. These are all tied together, folks. I expect those to go up because uh, what we are seeing is buyers are back, right? Buyers are, are back. You know, they're not quite as back like they were in April, but they're back. 
And inventory surprisingly went down. We had three months in a row. It might've been four months in a row where inventory was climbing. Uh, last month, I believe the number was 1.32 million homes available for sale. And it went down 6%. This, I did not expect this, but this is probably more to do with buyers coming back, putting stuff pending, which takes it off of the available list. And thus, I think closings will go up next month. So yeah, the, the, um, the slowdown is real, uh, but buyers are back. And usually, this is very non-seasonal. Historically speaking, these couple of months are really slow because the school year started off, yep. you know, all of that stuff. But no, basically what happened is the buyers took July and August off. They're coming back going, oh, look, more inventory to pick from. And I don't have to wave conditions. And I don't have to do this. So it, it's still a pretty active market out there. I put it on my daily financial news the other day and about 70% of the comments were there's more inventory, but there were about 30% of the comments going, dude, inventory disappeared. So it does seem to be hit and miss nationally because again, we have a national show. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to watch. I think inventory still goes up from here. Yeah, and I, and I love what you, you, you say it so well and you teach it in the course, which I love, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't teach how to study your market. If you're gonna go into a market, Mm -hmm. you really need to know that. So what Michael just shared, right? So some segments of the market, if you're in a affordable working class neighborhood, inventory might be abundant, it might be very tight. So that's gonna affect pricing and demand and such. So you really have to know your market. You wanna just elaborate on a little bit on that? Just, just. Yeah, I think think too many new investors, um, you're actually, you're actually hurting yourself because you're not focused. I want new investors to get really laser focused. I now call it a buy box, right? Look here, nowhere else, right? You, you have permission to look nowhere else for 60 or 90 days. Like, look, look there. So I love it. I love it. And you've helped me a lot in tightening up my buy boxes for different awesome. markets and yeah. different types of deals. So that's awesome. I love it. So let's talk about too. There's some news about buyers being back. What's going on there? Yeah, it's interesting because, again, I love having a national show where people respond and leave comments. So uh, just to kind of catch everybody up, like a month ago, maybe six weeks, you know, agents were telling me, wow, nobody's coming to the open houses. Uh, you know, we, we were getting four listings in, in four minutes, it seemed like, you know, certainly in a day. And, and it just seemed like buyers went away. It's like one agent told me they had 15 active buyers go to two. Wow. The, other, the other 13 just gave up or they thought gave up. Now what is happening is, of the 13, like six are back. Some of them are like, no, I'm done. It's too expensive. But yeah, buyers are coming back. Buyers are writing offers. My mortgage brokers are busy again. Uh, people like these low rates. So uh, yeah, but it, they, even I took a vacation, right? I've been staying home way too much. I took July. I, t- I went away for eight or nine days in July. Lots of people took July and August because again, we were supposed to be free again, right? We beat this thing and people left. And when you leave, you don't write offers on housing, but buyers are back now. People are in, in school and uh, people, people want to buy a home because it's still, uh, generally speaking, a, a good deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I think a great deal for sure with these low rates. So let's talk about, um, there was some, a lot of news over the last week. I feel like I heard, from, I heard about it from you first, but what's going on in China with, is it Evergrande? Yeah, Evergrande, Evergrande, whatever you want to call it. But basically- uh, so you got to break this story did evolve for me over the week. So I think it was Sunday, somebody from Asia sent me an article, right? So I love the channel. People sent me an article first I'd ever heard of Evergrande. Didn't know anything about it, but it started my research because the idea was, is a, a highly indebted 
property developer was going to miss interest payments, mm -hmm. which if you know anything about the property development market, once one domino falls, they like all fall because then people raise collateral requirements and raise debt. And it's, it's like not a good thing. So initially speaking, it was like the initial talk track was, could this be a Lehman moment? That caught my attention. I'm like, oh my God, Lehman moment? That, that was worldwide recession. The dominoes fell. Ah, everybody's scared. So I did some research. Then I quickly realized, I don't think this is going to be a Lehman moment. It doesn't seem like the contagion is there. The, it doesn't seem to be like cross-collateralized. A lot of it's controlled in China. Maybe it's more like long-term capital management, which most people don't know about, but it was a um, hedge fund. Uh, I don't actually know if it was a hedge fund. It was, I don't know, a big fund that was led by Michael Milken, uh, who was huge in junk bonds, who ultimately went to jail, like real jail, not like country club jail. And um, uh, long-term capital management was a blip, right? It was basically a big deal uh, until the Fed got involved and said, you know, Go Goldman, you eat this much, JP Morgan, eat that much. And it just went away, right? So it was very, very uh, encapsulated. So I thought, mm, maybe it's going to be that. And then I started thinking about, you know what, what Lehman had and long-term capital management had is something that Evergrande doesn't have. And what I mean by that is Lehman and, and long-term capital management, they had, they had no assets. It was all paper. It was derivatives and insurance on insurance. Property development companies, even though they're highly leveraged, still have assets. They have land. They have partially finished units. So there's always some value in what they have. So, you know, I think, I think long, I think long-term what's going to happen is uh, I think Evergrande doesn't exist in 60 or 90 days, at least at any size it has. I think, I think they get broken apart by the Chinese government. Uh, I think they do everything they can to protect the employees and the customers. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a non-event worldwide. I do think it's another sign that China is cracking down on wealth and investing and I do think China could have a housing collapse. And the best, best recollection I have right now is I think China is set up on the property side to be like Japan. If you don't know what happened in Japan, in the late 80s, they were revolutionizing the world and they were just going gangbusters and just in time and all these things were taking over the world. Their property values were just racing higher and uh, suddenly the bubble popped. I think China could very easily have a lost decade of, of property wealth. But again, that'll be very localized in China. I think China could have its first real recession because I think what's happening right now is the Chinese citizens, the population is like, my God, what's going on? You, you, you whacked our stocks, which are down a trillion dollars. Then you're whacking our property values and then you're doing this and this. You know, I'm not sure I like all this socialism. So I think the Chinese consumer is about to get very scared um, because that's what the U.S. consumer would do, right? If government came in and started stripping things away, we would retreat. We'd go like, whoa, what's going on? So I think that's going to happen in China. So again, something to watch. Uh, I am not as concerned here on Friday as I was on Sunday because you just didn't know. But, you know, you read hours and hours of stuff and you're like, I think this is, I think this is going to be a blip. Follow-up question. So with that said, do you think the impact in China could affect the global capital markets here that's in the good, United States? That's a good question. So I think there's a couple of things that I think are fairly likely. One is I think all other property developers in China have a harder time raising money. So it's more expensive. Sure. Okay. So that's one. Two is I think, I think internally, I think property values fall because again, you got this huge Evergrande is going to have to sell stuff at a discount. 
it has to impact the others. But then what does it happen in the US or Australia or Europe? I think there's a couple of things. I think if you're really, really rich in China, you are trying to get out of Dodge. You're like, how the hell do I get my money out of here? So you're going to do anything possible. And that may include write huge checks to buy houses for cash. It could be, right? Also, the reverse. If you were really, really rich in China and for whatever reason, the government took your money, you may have to sell something, right? Maybe you bought like Southern California, right? They have a lot of empty homes where their kids were going to go to college, right? Um, You might be an unlucky person in China and now you got to liquidate that LA home because you need cash to survive, right? So it could go both ways. Um, But all, all in all, I think what happens is money stays cheaper here because for a while people were saying, could China become the number one globe? Could it become a reserve currency? Could it be on par? I think with all the crazy changes happening in very quickly, um, China has no chance of being at the reserve currency of the world, which means the dollar gets stronger um, because there's just no other option. Got it. I love it. I love it. So well, so well broken down. Thank you for that. You know, it's interesting too that like, and again, follow-up is the psychology of the consumer. When you're talking about the Fed and tapering and all the different news, it's interesting how quick the psychology changes. And you said rates move quickly. So elaborate on something. We didn't, I didn't tee this up before we started, but specifically the 1970s. Mm. I want you to go back to that because I think it's such an important piece. If interest rates click up over the next six, 12, 18 months, does that mean that real estate values pull back? Elaborate on the 1970s report that you did. Yeah. So one of the things I always like to do is use information. And, and I was born in the 70s, but don't remember it. I was born in the early 70s, don't remember any of it. So I did research. When in doubt, go spend a day, 24 hours collecting data. So I built a 50-year spreadsheet from 2020 all the way back to 1970, collecting all these metrics. And one of the things that I didn't know, I did not know, was interest rates went up 300 basis points. They went up roughly from eight and a half to 11 and a half, from 70 to 79. I didn't know, no idea. So normally most people tell me, Michael, if interest rates go up, housing must crash because it hurts the affordability. Totally makes sense, right? Logically speaking, yes, rates go up 300 basis points. Real estate should crash. Well, unfortunately, there's another metric that nobody talks about and that is wages. Right, typically happened, or at least happened in the 70s, is wages between 1970 and 1979 went up 87%. Housing, again, in a rising interest rate environment, went up 106%. And rent went up 115%. So again, what I need people to realize, if you think that 2020 is going to be like 1970s, what are you supposed to do? Well, what I'm doing is what the 70s said. And that does buy as much residential real estate you can early with 30-year fixed rate debt and then let inflation be your friend. You can't beat inflation when you're only working a job. Inflation will kill you. But if you have lots of assets, inflation is your friend because it will inflate the value. It will inflate the rent. It will have you pay, pay off your debt with cheaper dollars I mean, if you, if you were to tell me we'd have a, a decade of 8% inflation, I would, I would put all my money into real estate right now, yeah. get 30-year fixed rate debt, and just smile until 2029 because um, it, it, it'd be the right play to do. I love it. So 
Thank you for referring back to that. As always, you can find Michael, he, he, the great book on Amazon. He's got a new book coming out next month. We're super excited for that. So please watch for it. If you have not picked up the book, do yourself a favor, go to Amazon, pick it up. Also follow the show on YouTube. And Michael has this incredible course. Most courses I've paid a thousand, three thousand. Um, I'm in one that has a mentorship. You have a mentorship element to your course. I'm a part of it. I'm a member of yours. I've paid as much as in the last year, I paid as much as $8,000 to be in a mentorship. Wow. How much do you sell your course for? So uh, the, the option without mentorship is uh, $299. It's a, it's a steal. I've done that on purpose because I want everybody in it. And all this extra bonus stuff is just awesome. But I do also, because everybody asks for it one-on-one -on -one time, and it's, I, I, I frankly don't want to do it because I value my time, right? This is what I worked for my whole life. But I am now giving an option with 30 minute one-on-one -on -one calls. It's uh, $5.99. And, and the student can pick any 30 minutes over the first year and we'll do a Zoom call together, so. Tremendous value. If you're not in his course, sign up at $2.99 or five, what, what, whatever level you need to be and what you need. Thank you so much for all that you give, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Have Mike. a great weekend. You too.